Welcome to Second Chances, the Persuasion Podcast. My name is Tom. And I'm Grace. And we're going through Jane Austen's Persuasion, chapter by chapter. And so, in the last episode, we covered the first half of Volume 1, Chapter 12. And today we are doing the second part of Volume 1, Chapter 12. That's right. All right, Grace, very quickly, what happens? what happened in the last podcast? What did we cover? What happens in the first part of this chapter? Okay, first part of this chapter... Um, Anne and Henrietta are on the beach talking. Louisa and Wentworth join with them, and they all go back up into town. But before they uh, reach the steps, who but Mr. Elliot himself, unbeknownst to everyone, arrives. Um, and you know what? He seems to enjoy Anne's, you know, appearance. Um, <laughs> looking at Anne. Looking at Anne, uh. and then when they get back to the inn... They realize, or rather, Anne has a second close encounter with Mr. Elliot, unbeknownst to everyone else. Um, they all realize at the end very quickly that it is, in fact, Mr. Elliot, heir to Kelly and Hall, Sir Walter's heir. And uh, he has taken a keen interest in Anne, and Wentworth has taken notice. And uh, what else happens? That's about it. That's right? good. Yeah, yeah, well, they're all, uh, we, you know, we left them off. They were all, they left the Harvilles at their house and decided to take one last walk yes. down on the cob, right? One last stroll before they say, before they bid adieu. And that was not the original plan. They were just going to, like, walk the Harvilles back and then go back to the inn and take off because, you know, it's a long drive back to Uppercross, but they were all just like, so nice. We got to take one last walk down the cob. And in particular, Louisa is the one who's like, we're going to do this, you know? Yes, very determined. Uh -huh. What's 15 more minutes? And um, that's where we leave off. Yeah. So, Tom, what happens in the second part? Should I say? I, I think we all know <laughs> someone's going to conk their head. Oh, boy. All right. Maybe I should just leave it at that. Let's just leave it at okay. that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Let's just. I'm just gonna read the last sentence. Yeah, of go ahead. This chapter. Um, doo -doo -doo. Uh, okay. By all their calculations, there was just time for this to visit the cob one more time. Mm -hmm. But as they drew near the cob, there was such a general wish to or to go home rather. But as they drew near the cob, there was such a general wish to walk along it once more. All were so inclined, and Louisa soon grew so determined that the difference of a quarter of an hour was found would be no difference at all. And so, with all the kind leave-taking and all the kind interchange of invitations and promises which may be imagined, they parted from Captain and Mrs. Harville at their own door, and still accompanied by Captain Benwick, who seemed to cling to them to the last, proceeded to make the proper adieus to the cob. Right. Okay. And here I'll pick it up. And found Captain Benwick again drawing near her. Lord Byron's dark blue seas, that's in quotes, could not fail of being brought forward by their present view. <laughs> and she gladly gave Benwick all her attention as long as attention was possible. It was soon drawn perforce another way. All right. So we said in the last podcast, I think it's pretty easy to assume the reason Benwick is uh, clinging to this party to the last is so he can talk to Anne more, right? That's right. And as they're going along the cob, Benwick can't help but uh, start quoting Byron. That's just what he does. Mm-hmm. Byron's Dark Blue Seas. That's a quote from somewhere, I assume. I guess so. If you're a Byron expert, let us know. <laughs> Not a particularly uh, striking phrase, Dark Blue Seas, in it elsewhere, but whatever. I know, it means, you know, you're looking at a Dark Blue Sea, the, you know, conjures up Byron's quote of a Dark Blue Sea, uh, yeah. Anyway, the point is, yeah, Benwick has uh, 
made a beeline right to Anne, <laughs> and she is like giving him his attention as long as that was possible because soon it was drawn, her attention was drawn another way, right? Mm. There was too much wind to make the high part of the new cob pleasant for the ladies, and they agreed to get down the steps to the lower. Okay, so it, there's a, there's, it's a hard to kind of describe, but the cob is, we've said before, this big kind of wall that you can walk on. Mm. And there's an upper part called the new cob and a lower part of the cob called the lower cob. Yeah. So winds are too strong for them to walk along the high part, obviously, because the higher you are, the, higher, the harder the wind is going to blow on you. So they decide to walk on the lower part of the cob. Right. Okay. There was too much wind to make the high part of the new cob pleasant for the ladies, and they agreed to get down the steps to the lower. And all were contented to pass quietly and carefully down the steep flight, <laughs> excepting Louisa. Mm. She must be jumped down them by Captain Wentworth. In all their walks, he had, he had had to jump her from the stiles. In all their walks, he had had to jump her from the stiles. The sensation was delightful to her. That sentence is quite, um... Very evocative. Very evocative. Let's just talk... Okay, so jumping. What is, what is this? What's going on here? Okay, so... Okay, just going back. Jumping um, off styles. A style, we, as we've probably known from previous uh, episodes, and it's even in Pride and Prejudice, it's this, like, kind of makeshift um, fence. It's a fence, yeah. It's a fence to kind of keep animals in. It's like a three-post fence, maybe. Yeah, you can assume there's some posts, yeah. Right, and, you know, you would kind of for lack of a better word, like, kind of climb over it a little bit. Yeah, it's certainly not a picket fence. We, I think we all know what we're talking about. It's right. It's like an old fence made of, like, sticks. And, yeah, you climb it to get over it, right? Yeah, uh -huh. made of, like, logs that you can, like, have... Maybe, like, the logs would be, like, ladder steps or something. Yeah. You, can, you would just, like, jump over it. Um, and apparently in the past, Wentworth has been jumping... Louisa off these styles. So instead of making her climb, clamber over a style, you know, she'll step on like a rail and Wentworth will just grab her and like place her on the other side, right? Yeah. That's the jumping. Yes. Uh, and of course, the sensation is delightful to her. Why? Because, you know, he's got his hands on her. Because he's touching her and like yeah. picking her up, mm -hmm. right? It's... Hey, what lady wouldn't like that? Look, we know what this It's like a, you know, preliminary, like socially acceptable like touching like That's he can right. touch her and like move her around in this way and it's socially acceptable because he's still being a gentleman exactly right? uh, it would be ungentlemanly for him to not help her yeah well he what is he gonna make her climb over this style and like her gown or whatever right you know? so here we are fast forward to this um cob where okay so in order to get from the, the high cob the what's it the top the Higher? Wait, sorry. The... So they're coming down from the new higher part of the cob. Right. To the older part that's closer to the sea. Right. right? And it, it seems like there's some sort of, like, steps. Mm -hmm. These steps coming from the top part of the cob to the bottom part. Yeah. These narrow stone steps, right? Yes. Everyone is contented to go down them quietly and carefully, right? Mm-hmm. Except Louisa. She's like, Wentworth, you know, remember how you jumped me over those stiles? Well, pick me up again, you know. Don't make me go down these stairs myself, right? Right. And the sensation was delightful to her. Well, that's the sensation when he jumps her over the stiles. That's right. Um, and, of course, she's getting, like, a sexual type of enjoyment out of it. That's the obvious, like, thing that's being conveyed here. Yes. It's, it is as close to, like, sex as they can have, uh, right? as I can possibly be engaging in right now. Okay. So they all went down the steps to lower. All were contented to pass quietly and carefully down the steep flight, excepting Louisa. She must be jumped down them by Captain Wentworth. 
In all their walks, he had had to jump her from the stiles. The sensation was delightful to her. The hardness of the pavement for her feet made him less willing upon this present occasion. He did it, however. She was safely down, and instantly, to show, show her enjoyment, ran up the steps to be jumped down again. So, you know, they do it once. Wentworth doesn't even want to do it the first time. He's like, we're not walking in a field, you know. Yeah. If I drop you, it's going to be bad news, right? right. Uh-huh. We're, we're walking on like a stone, a slippery stone pavement. It's different than just landing on soft grass. Mm-hmm. But he did it. She lands. She's delighted. And mm-hmm. instead of just like carrying on through the day to say adieu to this cob, she runs back up the steps to the high part. To and be jumped again. To right? be jumped uh, again. Which is very funny. You know, that's just a funny image. She's like... Again, again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, do it again, right? Yeah. And, of course, this is all very, like, a, a very charged image. I feel like there's a lot you can read into it. You know, the hardness of the pavement makes uh, Wentworth reluctant, but they do it, and it's fine, and somehow she's okay, and, like, it was, but it was so much fun, she runs up to do it again, you know? Like, what could that be a stand-in for? Right. Mm-hmm. Sex. Yeah. I mean, there, it's not to say that they are having sex. It's just kind of like that's the kind of behavior that they're engaging in, right? Right. They're, yeah, go ahead. Well, I'm t- you know, you know, it's like, I think also a lot of, uh, I hate to say this, like, a lot of people think that, like, Austin novels are very, like, chaste and mm-hmm. there's this, like, imagery of, like, proper courtship and all this stuff. And there is, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but Austin... She was a sensible adult woman, you know. She, she knew what sex she, was. Yeah. Yes, she knew what sex uh-huh. was. She was fully aware of, you know, improprieties invo- involving sex, you know. And so this is, like, a very, very smart um, and evocative, like you said, right. way of demonstrating, like, you know, this relationship with between Wentworth and Louisa, it's not good. It's mm. it's It's... It's not good. They're, like, pushing it up to the boundary of being dangerous. Like, dangerous being, like, exposing them to, like, societal scorn, right? That's right. And, like, they're... Like, what this is showing us through image is, like, they're pushing it further and, you know, they're pushing this, like, relationship they have further and further and Louisa is leading the charge. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's getting brazen to the point of, like, maybe they're getting away with, like, slight uh, misdemeanors. Uh, they're getting away with them and then being so brazen that they're attempting them again, right? That's right. That's right. Or Louisa, rather. Yeah. She's, you're, uh, like you said, taking the helm and attempting it again. And I think the mis... And, of course, this is all metaphorically speaking. We're speaking on, like, a thematic level. But, like, the thing... The way they're pushing it is just, like, this flirting, kind of, you know? Yeah. And, like, the more they flirt in public, the more they, like, go for walks together alone, like... The, the closer they're going to get to a point where they can, they have to be engaged. They can't go back and still, like, save face in society. That's right. That's right. Well, they well let's just keep going. Okay. okay, okay. So, the hardness of the pavement for Louise's feet made Wentworth less willing upon the present occasion to jump her. He did it, however. She was safely down and instantly, to show her enjoyment, ran up the steps to be jumped down again. He advised her against it, thought the jar too great, but no, he reasoned and talked in vain. But no, he reasoned and talked in vain. Louisa smiled and said, I am determined, I will. He put out his hands. She was too precipitate by half a second. She fell on the pavement on the lower cob and was taken up lifeless. So that's the consequences uh, of your actions. Uh, right. So, jump me again, she says. And he's like, I don't think so. Like... The- what does it mean the jar is too great? 
like I think the distance is too great. Yeah, it's too so. high up. It's dangerous, you know. And she says, "I am determined. I will." Yeah. It's it's just this was just I, two things like she is determined and she will. Uh-huh, I That's, am determined. I will. Yeah, it's all one thought. It's right? all one yeah, thought, yeah. but it just it, I mean this is, you know, this is what happens when Wentworth, you know, encourages her to to be you know stubborn and to listen to no one to yeah. listen to no uh, one to you know not be persuaded i mean she's not gonna listen to him then right nope and she says i'm determined i will mm-hmm. he put out his hands she was too precipitate too fast by half a second so he like reaches to jump reaches to like grab her to bring her down and like she steps a little too quickly she she steps starts falling and he reaches too late i think that's what happens right i think so yeah she fell on the pavement on the lower cob and was taken up lifeless. Boom. Exclamation point. Uh, I mean, like, we're going to keep going. She's not. But, like, in this moment, <laughs> you could believe that she's dead. Taking up lifeless. Yeah. All right. You want to keep going? There was no wound, no blood, no visible bruise. But her eyes were closed. She breathed not. Her face was like death. Mm-hmm. The horror of that moment to all who stood around. So she is just cold, out cold, no blood, no bruise, but no signs of life in her, right? Well, this is a very interesting description, like, because she sounds like, you know, like Snow White, mm-hmm. just fallen asleep. It's a very, like, you know, it's not gory, it's not like, she's not, we don't see, there's no, like, physical um evidence of like her being maimed or anything it's just such as i don't know it's a very like almost like i don't know how to describe it it's like it's a very like almost hmm, like this meta it's like she's become like a stand-in for the metaphor rather than a human being in this moment Mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah well i get i get what you're saying it's very fairy tale like just like yes the you know you it's not gory but like the life is gone right right um, there was no wound, no blood, no mm-hmm. visible bruise, but her eyes were closed. I guess the question is why, why that choice? Other than it's just like unseemly to be like, and blood splattered everywhere, right? Yeah, I think if that happened, it would truly be like, I don't know, it would truly be like a horror uh-huh. moment, but, and, I mean, sorry, Jane Austen is not writing horror. No, she does not want to like have blood splattered No, this isn't yeah. like a gothic novel. Uh-huh. This is like a... This is, you know, grounded in realism. Even if this moment, this, like, lack of blood or any, like, physical evidence of, like, damage is, like, uh, absent. It's, like, you know, and then, yeah, and then everyone screamed and there's blood on everyone's hands and all this stuff. And, like, her dress was torn all this stuff. Uh, like, that's not, that's not what. No. That's not the most, that's not the important part here. Yeah, she is definitely, like, Snow White, just like, you need to go to sleep now, right? <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> you, this is the part where you lie down and uh, look lifeless. Or it's almost like you've been poisoned, kind right, of, like you yeah. said. Yeah, right. It's interesting. I mean, this is an interesting moment in the Austin canon of the major novels because there's no nothing that approaches this level of, like, physical trauma that you see on the page in an Austin book. Well, like, Marianne sprains her ankle she's, in Sense and Well, she's, it's, that's a great scene, too. That's how she meets Willoughby. That's right. She stumbles down the hill. That's also very evocative. Yeah. Like, but it's yes. like a joke, you know? She's like, she stumbles and sprains her ankle, and then this, like, handsome man comes right. by and scoops her up. Well, right? then, yeah. also, later on, she becomes sick from, like... Oh, well, that's true. I yeah. guess that's the, that would be the closest comparison of someone on the pages of an Austin book, like, 
coming close to dying, like That's experiencing true. like physical trauma, I yeah. guess. And you know why? It's because these characters need to be taught a lesson. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> I mean, you know, yes, yeah, that ultimately why. They they need to be shown the consequences of their actions, kind of. Unfortunately, that's yeah, like, well, yeah, but this is just, you know, what we said before. It's like, you know, sooner or later, this is going to catch up with you, mm -hmm. and it has caught up with them. Right. This is the, this is the, like, physical manifestation of, like, there's no going back. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And it's also just, like, you know, there's, the fall is, like, Edenic in, like, the way, the image. It's the idea of, like, the fall of man, kind yeah, of, right? right? The fortunate fall. Well, that comes into, like, remember what, like, you know, the fall of little Charles and... You know, that's was just like a precursor to what's about to well, happen. That was all foreshadowing. But uh, these, I guess, yeah. These musgroves and their climbing, you know, desire. I guess so. Climb. It's in the musgroves. <laughs> it's in their genes, in their disposition to fall over. Um, we're going to see later in the chapter that there's another reason that the little Charles fall is important. So I guess. Okay, yeah. I guess let's keep going. There's so much to say about this moment. Mm -hmm. But yeah, all right, let's keep going. Louisa has fallen. Okay. There's no wound, no blood. No visible bruises. Her eyes were closed. She breathed not. Her face was like death. The horror of that moment to all who stood around. Okay. Captain Wentworth, who had caught her up, like, you know, finally scooped her up <laughs> off the ground. Finally caught her, yeah. Knelt with her in his arms, looking on her with a face as pallid as her own, in an agony of silence. <laughs> That's great. This is also, Wentworth has been laid low, you know? Well, yeah, this is the first time... One of the few times, at least, with that Wentworth has no words. He has, when, yeah. he has no speeches. He has he has been dumbstruck. He's not the gallant hero here. If anything, he's like almost as bad as Mary. You know, his face looks like Louisa's. It's pallid. You know, yeah. In an agony of silence. He is not the the heroic gallant Wentworth right now. No, not the man of action that we all knew uh -huh. him to be. He is. He doesn't know what to do in this moment. <laughs> okay. She is dead! She is dead! Screamed Mary, <laughs> catching hold of her husband and contributing with his own heart to make him immovable. Mm. And in another moment, Henrietta, sinking under the conviction, lost her senses <laughs> too, and would have fallen on the steps before Captain Bennock and Anne, who caught and supported her between them. So it's mayhem. This is... And this is great, you know, better than the fall itself, like, than these two other women falling in quick succession, <laughs> right? Mary, and this is also a great character moment for Mary. A lesser author would have been like, and Mary really pulled it together for once and, like, you know, recognized the emergency. No, she's making it about herself, right? Yeah. And screaming she's dead, <laughs> the worst possible thing you could say. Well, it is like, for, for once, we're like, oh my god, is Mary right? Uh, like, is, is she actually dead? And Charles is, Charles Musgrove has been seized with fear. He can't do anything, right? Right. She's just contributing. Yeah, Mary's contributing to her husband's horror. Mm -hmm. And then Henrietta's like And then also, she loses it, yeah. She's just like, her, you know, her knees buckle under her, it seems. I mean, this is, you know, it's comedy. Back to, it's comic mayhem <laughs> set off by like something very serious. Yes. And if you don't believe that it's supposed to be comedic, we'll just keep reading on. <laughs> I mean, yet another thing the movie did poorly. I know. I, it's a whole... I know. Yeah. All right. Whatever. Whatever. All right. Do you want to keep going? Is there no one to help me were the first words which burst from Captain Whitworth in a tone of despair and as if all his own strength were gone. Just driving home, what we were already saying, like, this is... Whitworth has been emasculated right here. <laughs> is there anyone to help me? How, like, you know pitiable and helpless is that statement yeah and okay so i okay i'm reading the um 
the David, sorry, if I'm mispronouncing this, the David Shepard annotated version. And I, there's a note here that there has been like, you know, there has been like criticism about like, do you, like, would Wentworth really have behaved this way, you know, if this had if this had happened, it's just like, is it in his character to... Like, the war hero Wentworth. Would he really yeah. have just, like, gone blank here? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would he really have just, like, shrunk like a, like a lily flower? But... All his strength was gone, you know? Well, there's a very re specific reason Austin's doing it. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Do you think it's in Wentworth's character? Well, I think it's, like, this is something that's his fault, you mm -hmm. know? Like, we've never seen him have to correct his own behavior and, or, like, have, you know, I mean, he's been telling stories about how he's a war hero, how he, like, has always done the right thing. This is the first time where he actually has done the wrong thing. Yeah. And so maybe in that moment, he's, like, struck by the, the just the evidence that, like, this maybe dead woman in front of her is dead because of him. It's his fault. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, his, his heroism can only go so far, but if you do something as, you know, as, like, unforgivable as maybe killing inadvertently yeah. inadvertently killing like a, a woman not a like, young girl a young yeah, girl yeah. yes like a 15 year old girl um then may then yeah you might be stunned silent i think it's in wentworth's character you yeah. know i think it's just like for all the reasons you said it's not you know he wasn't expecting this uh you know in peacetime uh, <laughs> back home and also yeah he's I, we don't know what happened exactly in the navy but i think we can assume he's never been responsible for a young woman's life like or a young woman potentially dying like on That's his right. hands right oh, yeah. yeah he doesn't even like women on his ships uh, uh -huh. so <laughs> you know as yes he obviously is more experienced in life but he's also inexperienced when it comes to like women yeah absolutely certainly the like norms of like what isn't isn't appropriate i mean he's horrified because like this woman he's been flirting with like a minute ago is like about to die right right and also i'm sure going through his mind is like how will I ever live this down? Like, this is gonna, you know, shred my, the reputation I've been trying to build. You're right. Like, look at this guy, Wentworth, like, leading this, like, young girl along, and then he kills her. Right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay. Yeah, as if all his strength were gone. And, of course, Austin put this here because she's like, this is the moment that Wentworth gets leveled. This is the moment, it's a punishment for Wentworth, too. It's like, look, Wentworth, this is the consequence of your actions, right? That's right. This is serious business. You thought it was all fun and games back home, but wrong. <laughs> okay. Go to him, go to him, cried Anne. For heaven's sake, go to him. I can support her myself. Leave me and go to him. Rub her hands, rub her temples. Here are salts. Take them, take them. Mm -hmm. So who's, who's, she's talking to Benwick here, Benwick yeah. here, um, telling Benwick to go to Wentworth, um, and that she'll take care of Henrietta herself. Mm -hmm. Captain Benwick obeyed, and Charles at the same moment disengaging himself from his wife. Sorry, that's just really funny. <laughs> Let go of me, Mary. Like, I can see him like, like, like trying to like wrestle his own arm uh -huh. away from her. Okay, they were both with Wentworth, and Louisa was raised up and supported more firmly between them, and everything was done that Anne had prompted, but in vain. While Captain Wentworth, staggering against the wall for his support, exclaimed in the bitterest agony, Oh God, her father and mother. 
Oh god, that's, that's great. That's when it hits them. That's when it doubly hits them. Like, how am I ever gonna tell him this, right? Yeah. Hey, and that was <laughs> what he told, like telling, breaking that news to Benwick about his fiance was foreshadowing of this news he's gonna have to break. That's right. right. And except he's like, except yeah. this time, it's all his fault. It's all his fault. <laughs> it's easy when he didn't do anything wrong, right? Right. Right. Uh, now, yeah. Yeah. In hindsight, it's like, well, you know, all right, he's playing the hero by uh, breaking the news to Benwick about his fiance, but Wentworth was a third party in that. He didn't have. Have, like as much emotional investment in this bad news but here it's like he is the perpetrator of this crime <laughs> yeah you thought big hero wentworth could break any news well can he break this news <laughs> right <laughs> and uh, of course like what's going on here who what's happening with Anne? Anne is taking control yeah Anne is telling Anne is being the commander here she is telling one captain uh, of, a, of the navy go to him like go to him other captain yeah and Uh, yeah help him here are salts i guess smelling salts she just kept on her person (laughs) yeah like she just walking around such occasion yeah she's just walking around with a first aid kit i believe it smelling salts at least yeah she's like i've got henrietta you take you go to wentworth you Uh, know so that's why the the fall of uh the mary's son was important Mm. because it austin you know always the thorough, like, creator of characters always doing her work showed us, like, this is not out of character for Anne to take charge in this moment. We've already seen that Anne is good in emergencies. Yes, we've seen Anne is good in emergencies with little Charles. And we've seen Anne is just, like, kind of, like, a natural, like, caretaker slash nurse, you know? She's, like, maybe we pitied her when she was always the person to, like, accompany Mary and all that and, like, accom- and just, like, try to be, quote-unquote, useful. And it's like, well, that's not fair. She's, like, being, like put into the role of like governess or whatever but like all of that has been building up to this moment where she has to be the one to be able to like you know kind of do triage in a situation like this like uh, what are the, what's important like who's gonna do what you know and like who's taking care of whom right so in the last episode in part one the last podcast we talked about how this is truly the chapter where Anne comes into her own as the romantic lead of the book Hey, or, she's also just, like, the hero of, like, an action story right now. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. Now oh, she is coming... Oh, well, go ahead. I mean, now she's coming to her own as just the hero. Now Wint- Wentworth has been reduced to nothing, and she is the new Wentworth. What? Wentworth has been reduced to this crying maiden, you uh, know? The maiden yeah. in trouble. And Anne here is, you know... Wentworth is on the ground crying. Uh, and everyone else is also crying. Anne's the only one who is, like, getting her... We gotta save this girl. Yeah, getting her, Uh you know, shit together. It's like, remain calm and, like, what do we need to do? What are the next steps? Yeah. So, in one fell swoop, uh, (laughs) Louisa has... Literally. Yeah, yeah, Louisa is no longer... uh, You know, Anne has taken over the romantic lead from Louisa and also taken on the role of the hero from Wentworth. That's right. Like, she is just, like, purely the star. That's right. Now she's the one who's, you know, controlling the narrative. Uh People aren't doing any... We'll see, like, later, like... No one's going to know what to do. Anne is literally, like, not literally, literally, but, like, she's metaphorically, like, writing the rest of the chapter, you uh, know? It's also just proof that Wentworth was wrong. Anne is not weak-willed and of weak spirit, you know? That's right. He just, like, and him and everyone else has to come to realize that she had this strength all along. They just never noticed it. I also appreciate that, um, it's not clarified before this. It's not clarified that Anne was the one who actually rejected Charles, not that someone persuade, dissuaded her from marrying Charles. Because it's like, Anne doesn't, like, 
in the eyes of Wentworth, like Anne doesn't need to correct that part. Like who cares if like m misinformation was spread about Anne? Here it was like Anne taking charge and showing that she has resolve. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, she is, yeah, she's the war hero. And I, we, I've touched on this, but this is like, it just comes up constantly, you know. Anne is just as heroic as Wentworth the whole time. You know, come on, like, yes, it's heroic to be out in the Navy, but it's also heroic to be, like, at home and be, like, a person and, like, live a good life and, like, be moral. I think that's what Austin is saying. That's what her point would be. Yeah, to be moral and... Yes, to be guided by good principle. Uh, yeah. Like, that's a battlefield in itself. And the lives that these women have to lead. That's right, are, yeah. Like, it's their own battlefield, and it's no less dangerous than the field of battle than, like, being in the Navy. Right, yeah. Wentworth gets... We've said this, like, a million times and a half, but, like, Wentworth gets to come home with all these tales and come back, like, a true hero in the eyes of everyone. He is, like, a superstar when he returns. Uh -huh. And... And, and yeah, so, like... And then he's, this is the test of his bravery. And then he's put to the test of bravery and he fails miserably, right? Yeah. Well, he gets put to the test of, of bravery, of women's bravery uh -huh. in this moment. That's true. So, and he fails and miserably. He fails. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's reduced to, all his strength is gone. That's very, like, that's, uh, those words were chosen very purposefully. Right, yes. Like, um, Solomon's hair being cut mm -hmm. or whatever. Or whomever. Uh, Samson. Samson, whoops. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So Anne's like, here, take the salts, attend to them. Bennett, Captain Bennett obeyed, and Charles, at the same moment, disengaging himself from his wife, they were both with him, with Wentworth. Louisa was raised up and supported more firmly between them, and everything was done that Anne had prompted. That Anne had prompted. Yeah, but in vain. In vain being, like, because Louisa is still knocked out, yeah. right? Uh, yep, out. Uh, but in vain, while Captain Wentworth, staggering against the wall for his support, exclaimed in the bigger, bitterest agony, agony, Oh God, her father and mother. Hilarious. <laughs> Not funny, Sorry. but also funny. <laughs> okay. A surgeon, said Anne. And so, see, yeah, more to the point of, like, priorities here. Uh, Wentworth is already, like, I'm... I'm sorry, but, like, what was he thinking about himself in this moment? Yeah, oh, wow, oh, He's yeah. like, oh, God, like, I am responsible for the Musgrove's daughter. Like, the, the, what about me, you know? How am I going to tell her parents? How am I going to tell her parents? And Anne is like, all right, we need to get a surgeon for, for this lifeless girl on the ground. Okay, he caught the word. It seemed to rouse him at once, and saying only, true, true, a surgeon this instant, was darting away when Anne eagerly suggested... Captain Bennock. Would it not be better for Captain Bennock? He knows where a surgeon is to be found. Wentworth is not thinking at this moment. Where was he going to go? Where was he going to go find the surgeon? Wentworth is tripping over his feet. He uh, doesn't know where the surgeon is in this town. And then Anne is like, very um, diplomatically, Anne is saying, well, why not? Maybe maybe Captain Bennock should go because he knows the area because he's been living with the Harvilles this whole right. time. AKA, you don't know where to find a surgeon. Right? <laughs> AKA, I'm sorry, Wentworth, but you're useless right yeah. now. <laughs> Everyone capable of thinking felt the advantage of the idea. And in a moment, it was all done in rapid moments, Captain Bennock had resigned the poor corpse-like figure Yikes. entirely to the brother's care. Charles. And was off for the town with the utmost rapidity. Mm. More of just like, she's dead, the corpse-like figure. It's never saying outright she's dead. It's like she's the face of, you know, is the face of death. A yeah. Like figure, she is like you know? the pinnacle. She is the archetypal dead woman uh, <laughs> right now. <laughs> and I guess maybe that's more more reason for like the lack of blood or contusions. That's right. Yeah. It's almost like, yes, she might be dead, but she's still like a lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's on. Let's literally keep her dignity. Right? <laughs> 
As to the wretched party left behind, it could scarcely be said which of the three, who were completely rational, was suffering most. Captain Wentworth, Anne, or Charles, who, really a very affectionate brother, hung over Louisa with sobs of grief, and could only turn his eyes from one sister to see the other in a state as insensible, or to witness the hysterical agitations of his wife, calling on him for help which he could not give. Could only turn. Meaning, like, his only solace from Louisa, from the, the calamity that is Louisa, is looking at his other sister, Henrietta. who is, like, fainted from mm. the stress, and Harry, Mary, who's in hysterics. <laughs> I also like this part, um, <clears throat> which of the three who are completely rational, ex- <laughs> excluding Mary. Here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's the only one with consciousness, but <laughs> she's not <laughs> rational. That's right. Yeah, I guess you're right. Um, kind of an interesting moment for Charles. I mean, you know, it's a, like, it shows that he is truly an affectionate brother, but the, the sobs of grief are interesting. He is in touch with his feelings, I Aww, guess. That's right. Yeah. He's a soft boy at heart. He loves his sisters. <laughs> that's right. All right, you want to keep going? Anne, attending with all the strength and zeal. See, Anne has the strength here. Yeah. Um, and thought, which instinct supplied to Henrietta, still tried <clears throat> at intervals to suggest comfort to the others, tried to quiet Mary, to animate Charles... To assuage the feelings of Captain Wentworth. Okay, let me read that again. Anne, attending with all the strength and zeal and thought, which instincts applied to Henrietta. So Anne is attending to Henrietta. Or Anne, while attending to Henrietta, still tried to suggest comfort to the others. How? By trying to quiet Mary, Mm -hmm. trying to animate Charles, who was, (coughs) I mean, just... In, in the throes of his, his agony right now. Yeah, yeah, like, perk up, Charles. It's not over yet, right? <laughs> <laughs> to assuage the fucking feelings. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> to comfort Wentworth. Yeah. Like, yeah. Hey, man, it's not, it's not your fault. Even though it totally is. <laughs> to assuage the feelings of <clears throat> Captain Wentworth. Both seem to look to her for directions. Charles and, and Wentworth? And Wentworth, yeah. Yeah, yeah and is in charge here. Yeah. Who's got the phallus now? (laughs) (laughs) Anne, Anne, cried Charles. What is to be done next? What in heaven's name is to be done next? More just, Anne's in charge. Yeah. I have no ideas. Anne, tell us what to do. We need your help. Like, if this weren't like a diet, I mean, it's kind of like the equivalent of like, you know, maybe you're like watching a kindergarten class or something and then a kid falls down and scrapes his knee and then the entire class is like inconsolable and everyone's crying be like what do we do now you know so. uh, and Anne is the teacher Anne is the teacher exactly Captain Wentworth's eyes were also turned towards her there you go so now Wentworth has just completely given up um, any control of the situation uh-huh. and he is the one he's this castle called Captain Wentworth is looking up like literally and metaphorically um, at Anne for direction. Yeah. Had, uh, and then Anne goes, Had she not better be carried to the inn? Yes, I am sure. Carry her gently to the inn. Yes, yes, to the inn, repeated Captain Wentworth, comparatively collective and eager to be doing something. Mm-hmm. I will carry her myself. Musgrove, take care of the others. <laughs> so now he's like taken and he's comparatively collected now. He's trying to take some charge, but... It's interesting. He's like... You know, he's 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 being to get a little kinky here, the sub. He's being the uh, submissive here. He's yeah, looking at yeah. her for direction. And she, you know, it's very interesting. She's being very again diplomatic, being still very ladylike. Like, 
had had not she better be carried to the inn yeah yeah to put that like a question yeah it's almost like wentworth is taking the hint it's like oh yeah the inn that's right <laughs> let's take i'll take her to the inn musgrove you stay behind <laughs> right he's like so she's supplying him with like the authority that he needs at that moment well this is i think the assuaging the feelings of captain wentworth uh, part coming in um okay <laughs> sorry this is a really funny part by this time, the report of the accident had spread among the workmen and boatmen about the cob, mm-hmm. um, and many were collected near them to be useful if wanted at any rate, or to be useful if wanted at any rate, to enjoy the sight of a dead young lady, nay, two dead young ladies, for it proved twice as fine as the first report. <laughs> and this is why Jane Austen is a better writer than Charles Dickens. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Austen is, I love this part, it's like some some world building here. Uh-huh. Like, Austen very rarely talks about, like, the, you know. The workmen around. Yeah, yeah right, the yeah. workmen, the boatmen, and, but she's all too aware that it's like, yeah, this is like, on the one hand, yes, tragic, but on the other hand, like, great gossip. Yeah, oh, they're here for the show. I mean, some of them are here to help if they can. Others are just like, I want to watch the show. And look, there's two dead ladies instead of one, right? <laughs> well, that's just, like, bad. That's just, like, rum- the rumor mill getting things wrong, uh-huh. right? Oh, no, wait, because Henrietta's faint. Yeah, too. yeah, they're like, it's even better than we thought. There's two of them, <laughs> and yeah. they're hysterical women. And you I- think if you think Austin is being too cruel, then, like... We're all pulling out our phones, like waiting for uh, a fight to break oh, out, yeah. waiting for someone to get stabbed on camera. Like this is like, this is nothing new. No, and it's also like, come on, there's no love lost between the workmen and these like ridiculous <laughs> young people like out for a party, right? Yeah, during like off peak seasons uh-huh. too. It's like, what are these young folk doing in here in the middle of November? Like, like the beach t- beach time is over. It's also just great, and Austin's great at doing that, showing like, showing us a these. People who, you know, this is the big, like, drama of the book. Like, it's we're at a calamity of action here. And here are these people who don't really care. We're just like, well, this is kind of funny to watch, right? <laughs> hey, guys, there's a dead lady on the car. Uh-huh. Well, that reminds what you said. what you said just now. Reminds me of um, the end of Pride and Prejudice where Kitty couldn't even remember, like, Mr. What's-His-Face's name. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, like, the whole Darcy-Elizabeth, you know, romance has been the crux of Pride and Prejudice. And Kitty is just sort of, like, in the sidelines being like, oh, yeah, Mr. whats his face is here. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> These people just live in their own universes, you know, and cross paths with uh, our main characters sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to, you know, if this was in Dickens, like, the workmen, you know, would be, all their hats would be off, and they'd be, like, twisting them in their hands and, like, wiping away tears, <laughs> like, oh, look at this beautiful angelic woman, like, quick, let's help them. Hey, some could be useful. Some are, some are useful. Well, it keeps getting funnier. Yeah, you, know, you want to keep going? <laughs> well, yeah, well, this is, like, you know, just what I was saying earlier. It's, like, if you think that the fall is meant to be completely serious, you're wrong, because this is proof. Okay, and it goes on to say, some of the... Some of, to some of the best looking of these good people, Henrietta was consigned <laughs> to the less like scraggly looking ones. Yeah, it's like to the ones who are like, all right, they're pro- he's probably a good dude. He's a good lad. Uh, he's dressed. <laughs> he's dressed well. <laughs> For though partially revived, she was quite helpless. Mm-hmm. So we need someone like a strong, sturdy man to help, help us, her up yeah, and yeah, help, help us her carry Henrietta. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and in this manner, Anne was walking, Anne walking by her side, and Charles attending to his wife, they set forward, treading back with feelings unutterable, the ground which, so lately, so very lately, and so light of heart, they had passed along. Okay, 
So the images, they recruit the best looking of these uh, workers and they're like, help us like carry Henrietta. So they're all walking back into town. Anna's next to Henrietta and this worker. Charles is helping Mary along, right? And Wentworth is carrying Louisa. Louisa, yeah. Treading back with feelings unutterable, the ground which so lately, so very lately, and so light of heart, they had passed along. So not even like... 24 hours ago, everyone was just merrily walking along. Not even like five minutes You're ago. You're right, yes. Yeah. yeah. Not even five uh, minutes ago, people were, this, this band of tourists were just like merrily walking along. And now it's like a very, very different uh, image. So light of heart. Light at that, you know, for centuries, and including the Regency period, was uh, another way of saying like sexually loose. Really? Yeah, yeah, to mm. be light. So like light of heart, you know, there's a little bit of that implication there. Of just like you know, not only we had, <clears throat> sorry, not only was there no gravity to like the thoughts or like no thought put into their actions, but like their actions were kind of light, you know. Yeah. They were er- kind of promiscuous in nature. Right, right. Everyone was throwing keys into the bowl. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I like this. Um, it's just also like a very. It's yes, yeah, like yes, Wentworth and Louisa are definitely the ones being punished. But I think maybe there's some. They're, they're speaking like. Like, Austin is drawing in the townspeople, like, the locals in for a reason here. It's sort of like, what are these, what are these assholes doing in Lyme? Like, in November, Uh, like, off-season, like, kind of wreaking havoc in this, like, town. It's all, like, unproprietous when you start to think about it. Yeah, and then this whole, this whole group, this tour group, has all been sort of taken down a peg. And it's like, hey, you know, the... The cob is slippery, you uh, know? Yeah, yeah, don't, <laughs> don't play on the cob, yeah. Well, it's just, like, it's the end. This is truly the end of the Whitworth, like, romantic triangle drama. The Whitworth-Louise and Louisa intrigue. That's right. Because it ends in consequences. Yeah, they it ends in disaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not fun and games. Sorry about that, guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's just extra revved up like we are uh, about the situation. Okay. Uh, they were not off the cob. Before the Harvilles met them... Alright, so the Harvilles are back. Captain Bennock had been seen flying by their house with a countenance which showed something to be wrong, and they had set off immediately, informed and directed as they passed, towards the spot. Shocked as Captain Harville was, he brought senses and nerves that could be instantly useful, and a look between him and his wife decided what was to be done. She must be taken to their house, all must go to their house, and await the surgeon's arrival there. Because remember, the Harvilles live closer to the cop, to the shore, than the inn is located. Oh, yeah, they just left the Harvilles at their house That's before right. they took this walk. Oh, my God, imagine, like, you know, the Harvilles, they're just sort of like, wow, what a nice day. Those uh, those kids, you know, so nice to meet them, and I'm sure we'll see them again. And then not even, like, five minutes later, like, their friend Harville, or sorry, Benick is, like, flying, by, flying yeah. by their window. And they're like, they're probably like, was that Benick? <laughs> What's going on? And, of course, the Harvilles are good people. They're yeah. like, bring her, bring her here. Everyone's got to come home with us. That's right. They would lo- not listen to scruples. He was obeyed, Harville was, mm-hmm. and they were all beneath his roof. And while Louisa, under Mrs. Harville's direction, was conveyed upstairs and given possession of her own bed, assistance, cordials, restoratives were supplied by her husband to all who needed them. I like that all who needed them. Uh-huh. Everyone has been traumatized. Yeah, Everyone yeah. sort of kind of needs to needs smelling salts. <laughs> Assistance, cordials, and restoratives. And this is how good of a person Mrs. Harville was. Take, I mean is, rather. Take my own bed, right? Put her in my bed. That's right, yeah. Uh-huh. They probably brought out, like, the good brandy. And it's like, everyone yeah. needs a glass of brandy right now. You want to keep going? 
Louisa had once opened her eyes, but soon closed them again without apparent consciousness. Mm. Woof. This had been a proof of life, however, of service to her sister. And Henrietta, though perfectly incapable of being in the same room with Louisa, was kept by the agitation of hope and fear from a return of her own insensibility. <laughs> so Henrietta, to her credit, she's like, maybe she can't be in the same room as Louisa, but she is, you know, she's like getting a grip. Oh, she's doing better than Mary, yeah. Yeah. Well, it says here, Mary too was growing calmer. <laughs> <laughs> um... I also just like it's an evocative injury to hit her head, you know. Yes, it, like a literal maiden head. Yeah, 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 that that, but just like you know, it's the your it's your seat of reason. Like she hadn't been acting reasonably, right? And yeah. This is what happens. Yeah, it's like when the teacher like slaps you on the rule, slaps your head on the rule with a ruler or something. Kind, of, yeah, I guess so. It's hey, just like use your brain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she she wasn't using her brain, and now she can't. <laughs> so well, if you're not going to use your brain, I'm just going to take it from you. Mm-hmm. The surgeon was with them almost before it had seemed possible. They were sick with horror while he examined, but he was not hopeless. The head had received a severe contusion, but he had seen greater injuries recovered from. He was by no means hopeless. He spoke cheerfully. Oh, great. At least the surgeon is cheerful. (laughs) Well, I think it's just a, it's it's a good, like, news to have. It's also, like... Maybe Austin's way of saying, like, we're fine. Uh, this is not a real injury. <laughs> or, I mean, it's, it's, it's serious, serious, but it's not lethal. No, we're not going to... There will be no funeral. <laughs> I mean, this is the second time a doctor is assuaging people's fears That's in this right. book. Um, okay. That he did not regard it as a desperate case. That he did not say a few hours must end it. <laughs> the life of Louisa, right? Yeah. Was at first felt beyond the hope of most. So... The news that, you know, she's not going to die is, like, met better than anyone could have hoped. Right. What they were expecting is she's going to die soon, right? So, yeah, yeah, say your prayers now. And the ecstasy of such a reprieve, the rejoicing, deep and silent, after a few fervent ejaculations of gratitude to heaven had been offered, may be conceived. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to be, you know, crass, but is this ejaculation also evocative? I don't think so. You don't think so? I don't think so. Okay. Maybe, maybe. Well, what about this ecstasy? I mean, <laughs> well, now that, now that you say it, this... I, don't, I don't think ejaculation quite had the same con- connotations at that okay. time. But maybe, maybe. Maybe there's, I mean, maybe it's like more of a, like a religious experience here mm-hmm. people felt. Because they got gratitude to heaven, you know, it's like. Thank God she'll be alive. Well, maybe it's like, well, God has been restored to this household, uh, to this group of sinners. <laughs> or it's like another chance, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah another yeah. chance. Uh, a second chance at. But, redemption. you know, I like it. <laughs> I think. Yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? Why, why not? not? No one's going to stop you from yeah. thinking that. The tone, the look with which thank God was uttered by Captain Wentworth and was sure could never be forgotten by her. I mean, this is a complicated experience by him, right? I mean, for Wentworth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, yes, I'm sure he's beyond relieved that she will live. Uh Uh-huh. But also, I don't know, it is, like... I mean, it it means... well, Well, okay, if she lives, what does this mean to Wentworth? What do you think Wentworth thinks he has to do well it kind of goes in line with the oh god her mother and father which is that he has to marry her he's gonna marry her that's the only way to correct Uh, this you can't almost kill my daughter and not marry her that's right after like Uh, touting her around town like you guys were already a couple and then you almost kill her uh, and then you don't marry her (laughs) 
I think even that would make Mr. and Mrs. Musgrove oh, take yeah, action. Yeah, peeved. Okay. <laughs> uh, the tone, the look with which "thank God" was uttered by Captain Wentworth, and was sure could never be forgotten by her, nor the sight of them afterwards. Of him. Of him. Oh, I have of them. Oh, interesting. I have him. All right. Well, regardless, nor the sight of him afterwards, as he sat near a table, leaning over with folded arms and face concealed, as if overpowered by the various feelings of his soul. And trying by prayer and reflection to calm them. The feelings of his soul, that is. This is like, you know, he's at the altar of God it's begging a, for forgiveness. Truly, yeah. I, I, he, I, at least he's asking her, like, asking him to let Louisa live and maybe let me get out of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it is true. Like, he is... You know, both in terms of, like, militaristically and religiously, he has been humbled. Uh, it's very, like, prodigal son returns imagery here. He is asking God for, yeah, yeah, praying to God for forgiveness and, like, release, basically, right? Yeah. Okay. Louisa's limbs had escaped. There was no injury but to the head. So she's got all of her other... Her bones are fine, yeah. her organs are fine, she's not going to lose a leg or anything, but <laughs> there's no injury but to the head. Uh, and maybe that could be doubly interpreted. I'm just all about I, these double No, I think so, I think so, go for it. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting uh, par like sentence to include here, its own paragraph, her limbs had escaped, there was no injury but to the head. I mean, it's definitely something Austin wanted to reiterate here. Yeah, yeah, like, yes, there, it, it is its own sen or paragraph here. I guess, and maybe that's another reason why it's, like, a clean concussion. It's just, like, you know, her reason, like, she wasn't using her reason, and look, look what happened. It got taken <laughs> away altogether, right? <laughs> yeah. We're not here to talk about, yeah, there's no maiming of her. She's not gonna be, she's not gonna walk with a limp or anything like that. It's all internal. Uh-huh. <laughs> It now became necessary for the party to consider what was best to be done as to their general situation. Mm. <laughs> they were now able to speak to each other and consult. That Louisa must remain where she was, however distressing to her friends to be involving the Harvilles in such trouble, did not admit a doubt. Right. All right, Louisa can't be moved. Yeah. She's an invalid. Her removal was impossible. The Harvilles silenced all scruples. And, as much as they could, all gratitude. Mm -hmm. Good for them. They're, they're just good people. Yeah. They had looked forward and arranged everything before the others began to reflect. Good for, nah, these Harvels are just such good they're folks. They're lucky. They're lucky that they have the Harvels here. Yeah, they're like, come here, put her here. And before, like, because they weren't there to witness everything. They're probably, like, way more calm and collected. They're like, all right, we got we to gotta figure out where to put this girl uh, <laughs> in, our, in our house. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. They had looked forward and arranged everything before the others began to reflect. Captain Bennick must give up his room to them and get a bed elsewhere. And the whole was settled. To, like, the others, right? Yeah. To, like, Charles and Mary, probably. Yeah. They were only concerned that the house could accommodate no more. And yet, perhaps by, quote, putting the children away in the maid's room or swinging a cot somewhere, end quote, they could hardly bear to think of not finding room for two or three besides, supposing they might wish to stay. Though, with regard to any attendance on Miss Musgrove, there need not be the least uneasiness, easiness, uneasiness in leaving her to Mrs. Harville's care entirely. Why? Mm -hmm. Mrs. Harville was a very experienced nurse, and her nursery maid, 
who had lived with her long and gone about with her everywhere, so probably in, like, all of her travels, was just such another. Between those two, she could want no possible attendance by day or night. Louisa, that is. She could not be lacking any possible attendance. She is well taken care of, right? Yeah. And all this was said in a truth and sincerity of feeling irresistible. Mm -hmm. So here's, like, a real genuine, like, unironic, I think, statement here, which is... Well, maybe a little funny, because it's like the Harvels, like, they're, like, they are, like, the pinnacle of, like, Christianity, you know? Uh-huh. They're good, yeah. actual good yeah, Christian yeah, folks yeah. here. They're like, we, we're going to put her in the spare bedroom. Benick is going to have to go somewhere else, and, sh- like, surely we can find room for someone else, for two or three other people to stay if they want to stay. Maybe we can hang up a cot somewhere. We'll move the kids to the, the nurse, the maid's quarters. Like, they're... They're very good people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of funny because you're thinking, like, well, we could string up a cot somewhere in our house. <laughs> Swing a cot, like, yeah. where are we going to put the kids? Right. Um, well, I guess it's just, yeah. I mean, they're, they've been at, I mean, that's how beds are made in, on ships. Is right. Like, hammock style. I guess, like, if if we just want to read into it at all, it's like, you know, the Harvilles are in a much lower, like, situation that's life also true. than uh, the Musgroves, certainly. And most certainly than the Elliots, even in their uh, distressed financial situation. So it's like... These good, like, simple, like, poor people are, like, they're the good people here. They're take, they're showing charity towards these, like, foolish rich people, kind of, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. Charles, Henrietta, and Captain Wentworth were the three in consultation. And for a little while, it was only an interchange of perplexity and terror. Uppercross. The necessity of someone's going to uppercross. The news to be conveyed how it could be broken to Mr. and Mrs. Musgrove, the lateness of the morning, an hour already gone by, or already already gone since they ought to have been off, the impossibility of being intolerable time. At first they were capable of nothing more to the purpose than such exclamations. But after a while, Captain Wentworth, exerting himself, said, We must be decided, and without the loss of another minute, every minute is valuable. Some must resolve on being off for Uppercross instantly. Musgrove, either you or I must go. So they're all trying to figure out what to do. And of course, like, most of the conversation at first is just like, this is so bad, right? Yeah. Like, this is bad, bad news. Right, yeah. And now there's they're sort of forming a plan. It's like, we got to let the parents know. Uh-huh. But, oh, God, it's already been so long. We were supposed to leave, like, an hour it's ago. It's a long trip. It's they're going to know trip. something's bad just based on us being late, right? Right. This, yeah, like, there's not even, like, a, a complete sentence here. Yeah, this is all in quotes, but uh, we can imagine, you know, it's just kind of paraphrasing, like, this conversation they're all having, yeah. like, in a roundabout manner, right? Like, no one's really got, no one's got a clear head on this. Uh, until when we're like, alright, we gotta do something, you know? Yeah. Someone's gotta go, either you or me, Musgrove. <laughs> Charles agreed, but declared his resolution of not going away. He would be as little encumbrance as possible to Captain and Mrs. Harville. But as to their leaving his sister in such a state... Neither ought nor would. So Charles agreed, yes. Yeah. Either you are, I must go, but I'm not leaving my sister. Mm-hmm. He neither ought nor would. As to leaving his sister in such a state, he neither ought nor would. Yeah, I am not leaving Louisa like this. Aww, so good, far it was decided. Good big brother. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Charles is a good guy, ultimately. Yeah, he's a good uh, guy. So what if he chases weasels and compares with curacles? Uh, <laughs> no, deep down he's good. He's just kind of like silly on the surface. <laughs> Uh, okay. 
She, however, was soon persuaded... Okay, so far it was decided, and Henrietta at first declared the same, that she would not go. Hmm. Henrietta, however, was soon persuaded to think differently. Well, because we know Henrietta is a little wishy-washy. Uh, exactly. <laughs> the usefulness of her staying. She, who had not been able to remain in Louisa's room, or to look at her without suffering, which made her worse than helpless. Yeah. She was forced to acknowledge that she could do no good, yet was still unwilling to be away, till touched by the thought of her father and mother... She gave it up. She consented. She was anxious to be at home. Okay, well, here's, a again, a good example of the benefits of um, being persuaded. Because, mm. yeah, if Henrietta stayed, she would be worse than useless because she, like, can't even be in the same room as Louisa. She's just going to be, like, kind of, you know, distraught and all that. And, yes, going home to her parents would be what her parents wanted. Yeah. So... Interesting that even in this moment, Austin is talking about the dangers of being overly headstrong, right? That's right, that's right. If only Louise's head were stronger. <laughs> hey, <laughs> yet another reason for the head injury. You thought you were so headstrong, right? <laughs> well, how strong is your head against this pavement? Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Okay, the plan had reached this point when Anne, coming quietly down from Louise's room, could not but hear what followed, for the parlor door was open. Okay. Then it is settled, Musgrove, cried Captain Wentworth, that you stay, and that I take care of your sister, and I take care of your sister home. But as to the rest, as to the others, if one stays to assist Mrs. Harville, I think it need be only one. Mrs. Charles Musgrove will, of course, wish to get back to her children. Ha. But if Anne will stay, no one so proper, so capable as Anne. Well, it's kind of like, but if Anne will stay, no one so proper, so capable as Anne, right? It's almost like, yeah, she, he's he's like calling to God for this to happen. Mm -hmm. And he does not know that she can hear. That's right. right? She's like spying in on oh, this. Gosh, so much eavesdropping. Uh -huh. Well, yeah, it's funny here. Like Anne has been eavesdropping her name, being dragged through the mud, uh -huh. you know, un, un, unbeknownst, you know, people aren't doing that on purpose. But then like, and now here she's eavesdropping. She's being... Sorry, she's unwittingly being eavesdropping her own name being praised. Well, Wentworth was kind of purposely dragging, not her name, yes. but, like, the the idea of her through the mud when she overheard him last time talking to Louisa, right? Yeah, you're right, you're and right. And now here he is, like, oh, only Anne can save us, right? Only Anne knows what to do. No one's so proper, so capable as Anne. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, he's not doing this because Anne's not in the room, or he doesn't know Anne's It's not for Anne's benefit. It's not for Anne's yeah. benefit. This is, like, truly what he thinks. Okay, well, what happens next? Anne paused a moment to recover from the emotion of hearing herself so spoken of. The other two warmly agreed to what he said. And she then appeared. Mm. So also, even in this moment of like terror and chaos, uh, there's still time to, for former feelings to be revived a little bit, to think about former relations between Anne and Wentworth, right? Yeah, we're human. Come uh, on. Come on. <laughs> um, okay, and okay. then... You want to keep reading? You will stay, I am sure. You will stay and nurse her, cried Wentworth, turning to Anne, and speaking with a glow, and yet a gentleness, which seemed almost restoring the past. Wow. Well, you know, like, earlier he was seeing something like Anne Elliot again or something. And so mm -hmm. here's more of, like, evoking the past. Like, he's looking at her like, this is the Anne that I remember. The way he's talking to her is, like, very... You know, it's the way, like, you would talk to someone you're on an intimate footing with, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right, yeah, the past is being restored. The past is coming back to life. Uh, she colored deeply, and he recollected himself and moved away. 
ooh, I like this recollected himself. He, like, remembers what he's doing and who who Anne is to him again, right? Yes, but also I think this is, like, a good moment for him to be like, oh, yeah, like, I shouldn't be speaking so, like, I should be behaving, like, uh, cordially. Like, I shouldn't be, like, exhibiting the same warmth as I had been with Louisa. Uh This is, I think, him learning his lesson. He, like, needs to... He needs to not be so on intimate a footing with these ladies that he doesn't really know very well. I mean, except for Anne, of course, but like... Interesting. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely, he's being swept up in the moment. And he is like, he has to take a moment to be like, wait, hold on, you know. Uh, Yeah, yeah, we have this history. We have this, yeah, we have this history. Also, like you said, I shouldn't be, I should take a, I'm not on this like sort of footing with you, Anne, right now. I shouldn't be like, oh God, Anne, save us, you know, right? (laughs) Okay. All right. She expressed herself most willing, ready, and happy to remain. Okay. It was what she had been thinking of and wishing to be allowed to do. A bed on the floor in Louisa's room would be sufficient for her if Mrs. Harville would think so. Wow. So she's just going to lie down on the ground next to this woman who moments ago was her romantic competition. <laughs> Rival, yeah. Rival. Okay. Um... One more thing, one thing more, and all seemed arranged. Though it was rather desirable that Mr. and Mrs. Musgrove should be previously alarmed by some share of delay, yet the time required by the upper class horses to take them back would be a dreadful extension of suspense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what does that mean? Though it was rather desirable that Mr. and Mrs. Musgrove should be previously alarmed by some share of delay, mm-hmm. Yeah, the time required by the upper cross horses to take them back would be a dreadful extension of suspense. So, it's desirable that Mr. and Mrs. Musgrove should be a little alarmed because of their delay, because it's going to make breaking this news easier to them. Like, they're going to be expecting bad news, I yeah, think, right? Uh, right? I think that's why it's desirable that they should be in a little bit of suspense. Mm-hmm. Yet, even though the time required by the journey to take the horses back would be a dreadful extension of suspense. So they don't want that much suspense, right? Yeah, it's kind of like a question of like, well, which is worse? Like, them arriving on time and uh, the Musgroves so happy to see their children again, but, oh, Louise is not there. Or more like they're... Or... They they arrive a little late. Yeah. And the Musgroves expect something's bad, but not, like, to the extent that it is, right? Yeah, right. Or they arrive really late, and the Musgroves think, like, everyone has died. Something like that. (laughs) Yeah, something has gone horribly wrong. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's what you said. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Okay. It was rather desirable that Mr. and Mrs. Musgrove should be previously alarmed by some share delay, yet the time required by the upper cross horses to take them back would be a dreadful extension of suspense. And Captain Wentworth proposed, and Charles Musgrove agreed, that it would be much better for him to take a chase from the inn and leave Mr. Musgrove's carriage and horses to be sent home the next morning early, when there would be the further advantage of sending an account of Louisa's night. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so, so okay. We, yeah, go ahead. So instead of taking the, the uh, Musgrove horses that they came in, um, Wentworth is going to, like, lease, or is he going to, like, rent a carriage? Well, did they come in Wentworth's chase? Like, him, like, the ladies rode in the carriage, and then I thought Wentworth and Charles rode separately. Right. Was this in Wentworth's chase? I guess we should have looked this up. I guess so. Because then, and leave Mr. Musgrove's carriage and horses to be sent home the next morning early. Uh-huh. So the horses, Musgrove's horses and carriage, I think, are with them at Lyme. Because that's how the women got that's here. That's how the women got there. But yeah. remember, I think this is the same chase Wentworth and Charles rode to together. Um, 
Remember the women rode in the carriage, yeah. and Charles and Wentworth rode separately in a chase. Oh to, yeah, yeah, yeah. To Lyme, they so, didn't ride on horseback. I, I thought can't. they rode in uh, a separate two person. The only thing I can't remember if it was Charles's carriage or if it was Wentworth's. Well, regardless, they're gonna take like um, they're gonna take a smaller carriage yeah, back that's to gonna, take a chase from the inn. Yeah. So that way, like, there will be another mode of transportation the next morning in case news needs to be delivered. Yeah. Well, they're gonna send it back regardless the next morning. Yeah. And then it comes with the added advantage of they can send more news of how Louisa's doing. Right. Okay. Okay, yeah. The important takeaway is that they're going in a smaller, quicker carriage, right? That's right, right, yeah. Okay, Captain Wentworth now hurried off to get everything ready on his part and to be soon followed by the two ladies, by um, Henrietta and Mary. Mary, yeah. When the plan was made known to Mary, however, there was an end of all peace in it. She was so wretched and so vehement complained so much of injustice in being expected to go away instead of Anne. <laughs> Anne, who was nothing to Louisa, while she was her sister, and had the best right to stay in Louisa's sorry, stay in Henrietta's stead. Why was she not to be as useful as Anne? Because you were in a stare. <laughs> yeah. And to go home without Charles too, without her husband. No, it was too unkind. And in short, she said more than her husband could long withstand. And as none of the others could oppose when he gave way, there was no help for it. Mm -hmm. The change of Mary for Anne was inevitable. Mary never misses an opportunity to make it all about herself, right? Yeah, so in this moment, so the original plan is Wentworth is going to take Mary and Henrietta home back to Upper Cross. And Anne's going to stay behind and nurse Louisa, right? Yes, but as soon as Mary hears this, she's like, no. I'm going to stay, sorry, this is me being married. No, <laughs> I'm going to stay uh, with Louisa because, yeah, I'm going to stay with Louisa because who is Anne even to Louisa when I'm Louisa's sister? Uh, like this And is, my husband's staying behind too. Yeah, uh, what yeah. am I going to go home? Like, I'm going to go home without my husband. Uh, I mean, according to propriety, yeah, it should be Mary that stays behind because she's Louisa's sister-in-law and Charles is staying behind. But according to any sort of reason, like, she's not going to be of any help. She's going to be a waste of space to the Harvilles. That's right. She has this, I love this part. Why was not she to be as useful as Anne? Because you haven't been as <laughs> useful as Anne. Because you're just not, yeah. Anyway, so anyway. But Charles can't even put up with it. And oh once Charles God. gives away, no one's going to dissuade Mary. And that is why this whole chapter is ridiculous. And you should not be treating it as some, like, 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 end all be all tragedy because we still have room for ridiculousness for funniness for yeah funniness. yeah yeah well there's always going to be the humor in austin mm -hmm. um and it's just you know sometimes some characters like come out some characters uh, are sp spurred by an emergency to show their best sides and some characters just continue to show their worst sides <laughs> <laughs> during emergencies Anne had never submitted more reluctantly to the jealous and ill-judging claims of Mary. Mm. But so it must be. And they set off for town, for the town, Charles taking care of his sister, and Captain Benwick attending to her. She gave a moment's recollection, as they hurried along, to the little circumstances which the same spots had witnessed earlier in the morning. There she had listened to Henrietta's schemes for Dr. Shirley's leaving Uppercross. Ah, uh, remember the good old days of listening to Henrietta go on and on and on about boring shit? Uh, <laughs> uh, further on, she had first seen Mr. Elliot. 
That happened in the same chapter, everyone. That's right. A moment seemed that all could now be given to anyone but Louisa, or those who were wrapped up in her welfare. But there's no time to think about anyone other than Louisa and the people, like, who are dependent on her, right? I like this... And dependent on her recovery, right? Yeah, go ahead. Well, I like this part where she's, like, about to leave Lyme, Mm -hmm. you know, this place that has actually done wonders for her. She's had a great time at Lyme. Um, And it's worded as, um, you know, she gave a moment's recollection to the little circumstances which the same spots had witnessed earlier in the morning. Not, like... Which this, you know, the the things that she had experienced is the things that the the same spots have witnessed. Yeah, it's like Lime is a character here, uh. and like Lime is the is um kind of a, a person witnessing all of these things, these nice, you know, airy light things, mm-hmm. not airy, but like light things that yeah, were just yeah. happening moments ago. Right. right. Anyway, I just thought it was a very interesting. It's interesting. Up. Yeah, personification. It's like the the last smiles of the season, right? Yeah, exactly. You know? mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it is interesting, and Anne is like, like it said, it's probably complicated feelings for Anne. She had a great time here. This is like the first like trip she's taken forever, and like has been rejuvenated and has met this mysterious man, and wants to reflect on it a second. But she also has to admit, like, well. Guess I should just be thinking of Louisa in this moment, right? And yeah. her broken head. Well, she'll give them a moment. She'll give these moments. She'll yeah, give these all moments. she has is a moment for that. Yeah, right? but yeah. then the rest of her brain should be on Louisa and all those who are concerned with her. And meaning, I think, Whitworth, really. Those who were wrapped up in her welfare, right? Yeah. I don't think she's really thinking very much about <laughs> Mary. <laughs> well, Mary's not thinking about Louise yeah, at all. Yeah. I'm sorry to say. Mary's thinking about Mary. <laughs> well, this is all happening while they're walking through town. So Benick is like guiding, you know, walking with. Uh... Wait, Wentworth is. Well, Benick is guiding like Anne to the carriage. Oh, that's and right. And yes. Charles is walking along with Henrietta, and Wentworth's there too. They're mm-hmm. all like gonna say goodbye. Yeah. Benick, Captain Benick was most considerately attentive to Anne, and united as they all seemed by the distress of the day. She felt an increasing degree of goodwill towards him, and a pleasure even, in thinking that it might, perhaps, be the occasion of continuing their acquaintance. Hey man, nothing brings people together uh-huh. like shared trauma. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just so many, like, you know, in the matter of, like, one chapter, we now have so many uh, romantic potentials for Anne. That's right, yeah. She came to Lyme with zero uh, romantic prospects, and she's leaving with the uh, three. Bennick. Mr. Elliot and Wentworth. Yeah, Wentworth. Perennially Wentworth. Perennially, yeah. yeah. If not, like, officially, then, like, you know, Wentworth's thinking about her Uh, again. In her heart. She's still thinking about Wentworth. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, you want to continue? Captain Wentworth was on the watch for them. So he went off to go fetch the the horse and Mm. carriage. And a chaise and four in waiting, stationed for their convenience in the lowest part of the street. I guess they would have rented this chaise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's evident surprise and vexation at the substitution of one sister for the other. The change of his countenance, the astonishment, the expressions begun and suppressed, with which Charles was listened to, made but a mortifying reception of Anne, or must at least convince her that she was valued only as she could be useful to Louisa. More, and also, you know, another opportunity for some cringe comedy here, right? What's yeah. What's the mortifying element? What's the cringe happening here? Well, because, like, Wentworth thought Anne was going to stay and mm. take care of Louisa. But then Anne's coming back with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? And, like, he said he was going to take uh, Henrietta and Mary back to Uppercross. And where's Mary? Not here. Uh-huh. And who was in her place? 
Anne. Right. And what what's mortifying to Anne is he's like, what are you doing here? Yeah. Much. Like, who wants to be, you know, it's coming from a good place, but who wants to be greeted like that? Yeah. What are you doing yeah. here? Yeah. <laughs> You're not supposed to be here. And then what is what does this make, like, Anne think? What does she question when he's like, what are you doing here? Well, he's she's thinking, like, am I really, like, in your eyes only, like, as a tool for Louisa's to get better? Yeah. Like, am I just, like, a means for, like, Louisa to get better, It kind you know? of undercuts, like, that whole little speech that she overheard about how great Anne is, you know? It's like, do you only love me, or do you only like me as a, yeah, like you said, as a nurse, right? As a nurse for your girlfriend. Or... <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Anne endeavor to be composed and to be just. Without emulating the feelings of an Emma towards her Henry, she would have attended on Louisa with a zeal above the common claims of regard for his sake. And she hoped he would not be long he would not long be so unjust as to suppose she would shrink unnecessarily from the office of a friend. So she doesn't want Wentworth to think that it was like her doing. Right. So, she, uh, yeah. yeah. So she's just gonna like try to ignore this like look of astonishment that Wentworth is probably giving her. And um and yeah, like hope hope that he's she's like, oh I hope Wentworth it doesn't think that I'm gonna like, you know, not take the responsibility of taking care of Louisa mm. for a friend's sake. It's like a, t- a test of his uh, justness, whether he'll eventually re- come to realize, like, and probably didn't make this decision on her own, right? right. To leave uh, Louisa aside. Right. Okay. Without emulating the feelings of a Emma towards her Henry. Grace, will you tell us what this is? Okay. What so, this means? Henry, okay. Here's the short version. We ever, neither of us had know this reference, so no. yeah, we're repeating what we have, what we sing in notes. But yeah, go ahead. All right. So, Henry and Emma is the poem from uh, Matthew Pryor, and basically in the poem, this man named Henry tests Emma's love for him in all sorts of like cruel ways by saying, "I'm gonna go into this deep forest and it's gonna be dangerous." And if you love me, you will come with me. And she says, okay, I will come with you. And then to, in even more cruelty, he's like, all right, well, I've fallen in love with another woman. And um, and uh, she says, okay, well, I love you so much that I'm willing to be this woman's companion, this woman's maid, if it means I get to be near you. Mm. And Henry's like, okay, now I believe you love me. <laughs> So Anne is, like, basically, she is ready to take on this sort of Emma-type role and be, like, the nurse to Wentworth's, like, new girlfriend, right? right? So this this Emma, this Henry, Emma, and this maid, oh, sorry, okay. this, sorry, Henry, Emma, and this random woman that Henry claims to have fallen in love for are Wentworth, um... That's Henry. Yes, and Emma is Anne, and this random woman is Louisa, respectively. Yeah, yeah, the woman, right, right. Yeah, so it's funny. It's like, it is a very interesting comparison, because she's trying not to emulate without emulating the feelings of an Emma towards her Henry. Uh Towards her Henry. I mean, of course, this wasn't Wentworth's grand scheme, but it just kind of happened so that he was in a place where he's asking his former lover to take care of his current one, right? Right. He's not doing this, like, out of spite. Like, he's not doing this in the same way that this Henry is doing it to Emma. But But at the same time, he is kind of asking that of her, right? He is asking a lot of her. Yeah. Okay, well, she would have done it. Anne would have done it. She would have stayed behind with Louisa, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. In the meanwhile, she was in the carriage. (laughs) He had handed them both in and placed himself between them. And in this manner, under these circumstances, full of astonishment and emotion to Anne, she quitted Lyme. 
Now this, so the chapter has come full circle, Anne and Henrietta are back together, right? That's right. Oh my but gosh! But the difference now, Wentworth's with them, and Louisa's not there, <laughs> right? Yes, that's oh wow, good, good, um, good eye. And then this is also great, like. This is a great way to put Wentworth and uh, Anne together in like yeah. a small space. And Henrietta's there, but she doesn't make much of a difference, honestly. Henrietta's like not even present. Uh, her her state of mind certainly isn't. Um, well, I guess we have Mary to thank for this. Yeah, thanks, Mary. <laughs> okay. Thank you for being so selfish. <laughs> so she quitted Lyme. How long the stage would pass, how it was to affect their manners, what was to be their sort of intercourse, she could not foresee. The stage being what? Like this part of the journey, the trip home. The ride, I guess, yeah. right? Yeah, how long the stage would pass, how long it would take, this ride would take, kind of, right. right? She has no idea what to expect. But it's also, it could be, you could read into it the larger metaphorical stage. Like, how how long is this new stage of our lives with, you know, concussed <laughs> Louisa going to last, right? <laughs> right, right. And how is it going to change their manners? And what, how is it going to change your intercourse with Wentworth? Right. This yeah. is That's just good uh, storytelling. That's good, like, you know, we're at the end of Volume 1. Keep reading, right? These mm. are, like, questions oh. that Austin are putting out. Like, keep reading. How, how is this going to change the way people act? How is this going to change the way uh, Anne and Wentworth interact, right? That's right. Yeah, she could not foresee, but we can, mm. or we will see. It was all quite natural, however. He was devoted to Henrietta. <laughs> well, that's one sister he hasn't permanently <laughs> maimed always turning towards her, and when he spoke at all, always with a view of supporting her hopes and raising her spirits. So he's still, you know, being a good guy yeah. in this moment. Uh, I mean, maybe he's also trying to avoid direct conversation with Anne, too. Yeah, that's true. In general, his voice and manner were studiously calm. Not not actually calm. Studiously is a good word here. It's yeah. almost like a study. It's like a ar- artificial a little bit. It's a study calm, I feel like. I think he's still like kind of in shock. Uh-huh. He's trying to like keep it together. To spare Henrietta from agitation seemed the governing principle. Once only, when she had been grieving over the last ill-judged, ill-fated walk to the cob, bitterly lamenting that it ever had been thought of Mm -hmm. he burst forth as if wholly overcome do you want to read it don't talk of it don't talk of it cried wentworth oh god that had not given way to her at that fatal moment had i done as i ought but so eager and so resolute dear sweet louisa what's he talking about here well so it seems like Henrietta is like grieving over the like oh god why do we have to go out to that cob one last uh, time and, and here the veneer breaks the studious calm breaks right yeah uh, he's like oh god don't say it don't say it um I had I not give that I had not given her given way to her oh my god let me let me start over that I had not given way to her at that final moment the fatal moment the fatal moment yeah so he, I feel like he's kind of like, Henrietta, shut up. It's my fault. You know, she's like, if we only hadn't taken that walk, it's like, come on, stop talking. Like, if only I hadn't, like, you know, let her jump into my arms then, right? Well, it's interesting that I had not given way to her at the final moment. Had I done as I ought. Uh-huh. Like, I feel like he's kind of taking, well, we'll see. Well, yeah, he put, he's putting the responsibility a little bit on Louisa. It's like, hey, she did it, you know. <laughs> Like, I, I should have stopped her, right? Yeah, yeah. I should have been more resolute. Uh, yeah. I should have, like, not let her pers- persuade me mm-hmm. into hey. jumping that style. Easier said than done, not being persuaded. Yeah, man. 
But yeah, still talking about Louisa's resolution. Austin really wants to drive home this point, in case you don't get it. Like, Louisa was too resolute in all of her, like, in all the things she wanted to do, and there's consequences, right? Right. Anne wondered whether it ever occurred to him now to question the justness of his own, sorry, of his own previous opinion as to the universal felicity and advantage of firmness of character. That's It's like tongue-in-cheek, the universal felicity, right? Well, it's funny here, it's like, it's almost like the narrator's coming here and be like, and here's where Anne suddenly thought to herself, hmm, maybe there's something to this whole idea of like being able to sort of listen to other people's, you know, perspectives and maybe like not be so resolute to your own um, decisions. Uh-huh. And whether it might not strike him that, like all other qualities of the mind, it should have its proportions and limits. It's ostensibly Anne's POV, but this is this is pure Austin philosophy. Like, things have their limits, you know? Even good yeah. qualities need to have their limits. That's right, yeah. You should give a little. <laughs> she thought it could scarcely escape him to feel that a persuadable temper might sometimes be as much in favor of happiness as a very resolute character. There we go. There we go. Who who has a per uh, sometimes a persuadable temper? Anne. Yeah. <laughs> I like that part. Like Anne thought it could scarcely escape him to feel this. Uh-huh. Like Anne is in her brain being like, he's probably learned his lesson. Yeah. <laughs> not I in hope such so. a not in such a like, you know, finger wagging way, but you know, Anne's probably like, I think Wentworth is maybe even noticing the irony now. Well yeah, go ahead. What? Oh yeah, the irony of like him being like you know things saying that resoluteness and firmness is like the pinnacle and all be all of good character mm-hmm. and i was like well you know look what happened yeah <laughs> of course the, that whole uh, opinion of wentworth was not formed in like rational thought it was out of the bitterness of and like breaking off the engagement that's right he's you're right he's latching he is attaching this so-called like default of character to his own um life experience to his own like personal affront uh-huh. he's like well i was i was um i was let down in this way and therefore that must be the worst characteristic of a person and i think this whole speech of wentworth like i shouldn't have let her be so resolute is like saying as much that he has come around on that opinion maybe but he's also saying in a way like i should have been more resolute. yeah i guess so we'll see what we'll see i mean it's you know <laughs> and is anyway like i guess uh all of that whole nut analogy doesn't really hold up, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the nut wasn't that strong. That freaking nut. <laughs> and it does say in that chapter, like, he picks up some of the nuts that hadn't been crushed, right? That's right. So, like, the whole analogy is inherently flawed. Yes, exactly. He's so, the one who, yeah, he um, picked the, the nut off the tree, much uh, like Eve picked the apple off the tree. It's all very identic, yeah. Yes. And then, of course, like, the nuts being crushed, that's, uh, that's Louisa. Her head being crushed. Uh-huh. That's... The ultimate nuts. Yeah. <laughs> okay, they got on fast. Anne was astonished to recognize the same hills and the same objects so soon. Their actual speed, heightened by some dread of the conclusion, made the road appear but half as long as on the day before. It was growing quite dusk, however, before they were in the neighborhood of Uppercross, and there had been total silence among them for some time. Henrietta leaning back in the corner, with a shawl over her face, giving the hope of her having cried herself to sleep. (laughs) And when they, and when, as they were going up their last hill, Anne found herself all at once addressed by Captain Wentworth. So Henrietta 
They've they've just been sitting in silence for some time, all distressed. Henrietta's like got a shawl over her face and is leaning back in the corner, and that's when Captain Wentworth addresses something to Anne. In a low, cautious voice, he said, "I have been considering what we had best do. She must not appear first. At first, Henrietta, that is, mm. she could not stand it. I have been thinking whether you had better had not better remain in the carriage with her. Will I go in and break it to Mister and Missus Musgrove? Do you think this is a good plan? Do you mm. think this is a good plan? Yeah." Okay, so, um, Wentworth is speaking to Anne again. Uh-huh. And what's he doing? He is, you know, he's forming a plan of action, but he's also asking her opinion. That's right, he's asking think? for her uh, input. Yeah. Yeah, which no one has ever done. No, I mean, no one asked her to, for her input at how to re, what is it, re, um, how to save Kelly Inch. You yeah, know? exactly. Retrench Kelly Inch. Well, everyone, now Anne is, like, in charge of the situation. Everyone wants Anne's input now. Yeah. I also think, as you were reading it just now, I think it's safe to say Wentworth knew Anne was not the person behind the switch between yeah. Anne and um, Mary because Maybe, yeah. because he's still asking for her input here. Maybe he's come to her, you know, his justness kicked in through the ride and he came to realize that this, yeah. like, oh, it's probably Mary, right? The crazy one. <laughs> well, just earlier in this chapter, he was the one who had that joke about, like, well, you know... It must have been God's plan that you didn't get to meet Australia. Uh, like, he's yeah, fully he aware. Well, that's just more yeah. testament to, like, Jane Austen's writing. It's like, we already have proof that Mr. Went... Or, sorry, Captain Wentworth is fully aware of Mary's ridiculousness and how everything has to be about her. So I think maybe it took, like, this carriage ride for him to realize that, that Mary probably was the one who orchestrated the switch between Mary and Anne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is it's a very intimate moment. You know, he waited until he thought Henrietta was kind of asleep or something, or just not part of the conversation. Well, they were pulling up to Uppercross, too. Yeah, that's towards true. the end of the ride. But I think you're right. He's also thinking of, like, all right, what's our what's our next move here? This is the more of the humbled Whitworth now. This is what Whitworth is going to look more like through the book, is, like, you know, he's been through this shock. Like, he almost killed a girl <laughs> inadvertently, but he did. So now he is, like, he's a humbled version of what we saw. Yeah. Of the, the blowhard that we saw flirting with two girls. <laughs> at once so yeah he's thinking like it's probably best that i get out of the carriage first and mm-hmm. then i break the news to um mr and mrs musgrove and then you stay with henrietta inside the carriage because henrietta is there's no way she's gonna she's probably gonna collapse again if she's the first one to like get out of the carriage yeah. and see her parents oh let me God. break the news yeah yeah also like yeah dude you should be the one to break the news you caused this uh, whole situation dude if you're so good at breaking bad news <laughs> let's see <laughs> That's, I mean, I never even, it never hit me until now that it's like, yeah, it's, he's broken bad news before and he's going to break bad news <laughs> again, except this time it's all his fault. Okay. Um, she did. She did think this was a good plan. He was satisfied and said no more. But the remembrance of the appeal remained a pleasure to her. As a proof of friendship and of deference for her judgment, a great pleasure. And when it became a sort of parting proof, its value did not lessen. What is that saying? When he became a sort of parting proof? Like, it's not just a proof. It's a parting proof. I think it means they're not going to see each other. Like, a goodbye. Yeah. Like, a final goodbye. Like, okay, at least I have this memory of him asking me for my advice. That means there's, like, a kind of friendship there. And I can part with this new memory of Wentworth. Uh-huh. That we've been... Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, we could look at this entire first section as the narrative of Anne and Wentworth talking again, right? That's what's accomplished. They were, like, exchanging, like, pleasantries before, maybe, but now they are, like, 
having a real conversation and see he, he is asking her for his, her advice yeah and they're talking about serious stuff they're uh, not talking about the weather like wentworth and louisa were they're not talking about you know poetry or prose we're yeah. talking about like real life stakes here like what should we do next we never saw whitworth ask louise's advice about a serious matter no we never asked we've never seen him ask advice for advice about anything uh, like this is the first time he is deferring to her expertise here her experience right yeah okay yeah so anna in this moment is like i'm probably never gonna see whitworth again after this right yeah Fairly well. Uh, a Dew Lime and a Dew Wentworth. <laughs> <laughs> and a Dew Cobb. And a Dew Cobb. <laughs> Alright, you want to read this last paragraph? When the distressing communication at Uppercross was over, so thankfully we've been spared that, <laughs> and he had seen the father and mother quite as composed as could be hoped, and the daughter all the better for being with them, he announced his intention of returning in the same carriage to Lyme, and when the horses were baited, he was off. So ends the first volume of Persuasion. Mm-hmm. That's right. Wow. Wow. What okay. a, I mean, like, yeah, where do we start off in the beginning? Anne is almost dead. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, Anne is the one who's almost dead, in the dead. Emotionally yeah. dead in the beginning. And here she is, you know, the center of this big story of we're going to see, we're going to see Mr. Elliot again. That's for certain. Mm-hmm. Um and Wentworth being the one who is, like, traumatized, you know, who has to kind of live the consequences of his actions, like Anne has been living the consequences of her actions in refusing Wentworth. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Great chapter. Um, yeah, probably the most, you know, like, the most blunt force trauma you're ever going to see in Austin. <laughs> well, it's a but, very, very long chapter. And uh, I, I have a suspicion that if maybe Austin um, had the opportunity to edit it some more, maybe this chapter would have been a little shorter. Because um, you mentioned earlier, like, a lot of stuff, a lot of different stuff A lot stuff of happened. important events. I would, if I were to make a case for why it's all one chapter, I think it would be the the full circleness of... Uh, and being alone with Henrietta, and then being alone with Henrietta with Wentworth at the end. Mm. Maybe there was a sort of, like, completeness to those two events, like anchoring, you know, yeah. bookending the chapter. Bookending the chapter, yeah. 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 Uh, but no, this is the pivotal moment, and, like, it's gonna turn, it's, you know, it's still persuasion, but it's gonna turn into a very different type of story from here on out. This is pretty much the end of Louisa, really. I mean, no, she lives, she lives, but, like, in the narrative. Yeah. She's not going to make, play a big role in the narrative again. That's right. Well, that's what we were saying before about how, like, I mean, I think we said this even in the first chapter, in the first episode, is that, you know, you read the first chapter of this book, and you think, like, maybe Elizabeth is going to be the main character, and then, you know, some chapters go by, and it's like, oh, Louisa's the main character. And then now we're at the end of the first volume. It's like, oh, no, wait. It's always been Anne. Well, if this fall does two important things for the narrative. One, it humbles Wentworth and, like, shows him the error of his ways. And, like, you know, we all like Wentworth, but he was acting like kind of a jerk. So after this, he's definitely going to realize, like, the importance of not flirting with two girls at once. Of not leading young women on, really. Yeah. And two, it gets Louise out of the way, <laughs> right? <laughs> And how do we write this character out of the story? Let's just conquer on the head. Uh-huh. <laughs> and she goes into a coma. <laughs> Great, like, soap opera writing. Uh-huh. It's like, well, how do we get rid of this competition? We'll just put it in the hospital. <laughs> it just, it speaks to why, why is Austin, why in this book? Are we seeing people, like, concussed where we never saw that before? 
I, I think it's just because it's a darker book with, like, higher stakes and, like, people die. Not on the page, but they come close. We almost see a dead body in Austin here, you know, something that was like a dead body. Yeah, we see something very close to a dead body, corpse-like, mm-hmm. you know. How many times has Jane Austen used the word corpse in her books? Oh, I don't know. That's a great question, but <laughs> I don't remember it in Pride and Prejudice. Certainly not. <laughs> um... All this right. lively young woman, yeah, the face yeah. of death, yeah. Right, what a, you know. Meanwhile, Anne has been rejuvenated. <laughs> Meanwhile, Anne's looking better than ever, right? That is funny. She's, like, like sucking Louise's life force. <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> I am the captain now <laughs> of this story. Literally. Well, she's the captain that moment. She's Captain Anne, and Wentworth is back to being a private again. <laughs> yeah. Um, back to being a skipper. Anyway. <laughs> Um, all right, so that's the end of part two. Well, that's the end of, of chapter 12. So if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to email us at, where can they email us, Grace? At secondimpressionspod at gmail.com. Yeah, let us hear what you guys got to think about this scene, what you think about Louisa, Captain Wentworth, and in this moment. And hey, if you've seen the movie, let us know your thoughts about how this was um, uh, portrayed in the movie versus how it reads on the page. And we will reserve all judgment. (laughs) And we'll read them on the podcast if you'd like. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so until next time, until volume two. That's right. Woohoo. I'm Tom. And I'm Grace. Bye.